I'm going to do this. I'm going to run for the United States Senate. The time is now for fresh ideas and new leadership. I'm running for student council because of you and for you. That is why I stand before you today to announce my candidacy for president. Welcome to the Arena Talks podcast, where we interview emerging political leaders from across the country. My name is Ravi Gupta, co-founder of the Arena. And today we're going to tackle a special issue, which is this group called the IDC, the Independent Democratic Caucus in New York State. This is a group of breakaway Democratic senators in New York who empower the leadership of the Republican majority in the state Senate. And you may wonder how in a state that's so overwhelmingly Democratic, we have uh, a Republican leadership, which has largely been unbroken since I was born, with the exception of a very short period of time. And all roads lead back to this group of breakaway Dems. And this would be akin to people running for office as Democrats for Congress, but then turning around and voting for Paul Ryan for Speaker of the House. That's essentially what happens here in New York State. And so we have a special guest today, uh, Jessica Ramos, uh, who recently resigned as a City Hall communications aide and is running against State Senator Jose Peralta in the 13th Senatorial District, which includes Corona, Elmhurst, East Elmhurst, Jackson Heights, and Woodside. And Peralta is a member of this group of the IDC, which is uh, this group that's uh, empowering the Republicans and ensuring that uh, lots of progressive legislation in Albany doesn't get passed. So Jessica explains to us what the IDC is, why they're a threat to progressive causes throughout New York State and potentially around the country. She also tells us her story and talks a lot about what she plans to do in this race. So let's jump right in. Jessica, welcome to the Arena Talks podcast. Hi, Ravi. Thank you for having me. So Jessica, you know, I grew up in Staten Island and uh, we're in my home neighborhood. We have a uh, somebody who calls himself a Democrat but he's a member of this group called the Independent Democratic Caucus. Uh, and I've always wondered, you know, what, what's going on with this, this group of Democrats in New York? And we're really lucky to have you on. Uh, you're running against a member of what's called the IDC. Can you help our listeners understand um, what this group is and uh, why you felt compelled to jump into this race? Sure. So there is a group of eight uh, Democrats, registered Democrats, state senators elected as Democrats, who have chosen to form an independent conference and vote for a Republican majority. So instead of voting for Andrea Stewart Cousins uh, to be the leader of the state Senate, they voted for John Flanagan from Long Island, who is a Trump supporter. Um, and this makes all the difference because the majority leader is who really decides what bills come to the floor for a vote. And they also decide how discretionary funding is distributed to different districts. Um, right now at the state level, it's not done in a very equitable way. Um, and, and, the contrast to that is the way the city council does it. It used to be that the speaker of the city council chose how to dole out that, that those public dollars. Um, but uh, actually, the past speaker did away with that practice and made sure that every district gets equitable funding. And that's something that I really want to go to Albany and fight for is make sure that, you know, irrespective of who may be in power, everyone is getting um, equal access to what really is our taxpayer dollars. Um, and, and, and the dynamic of having um, 
though that group of independent Democrats uh, coalesce or, or empower the Republicans has been really troubling. You know, we're living we're living in a uh, at a critical juncture. Um, we have a bigot in the White House, and the only way to fend off any attacks against our neighbors, our schools, our environment, our pocketbooks is to make sure that our state government is stable and strong. There's no way we can do that with uh, the Republicans at the helm of, uh, you know, the Senate. We need to make sure that we're passing good progressive laws to improve our quality of life. So that's why, where I came in and, and sort of understanding having worked in City Hall for three years and I come from the labor movement before that, understanding what it is uh, to fight for working people, what the struggles of working people are, and also the limitations of city government over, um, you know, various issues that that you know affect our quality of life um, really drove me to take a look at what was happening in my neighborhood in my community and say well this isn't working out for me and if it's not working out for me it's not working out for other families working families as well um, so I decided to throw my hat in um, and, and and stand up to uh, our, our state senator because he should be held accountable for these decisions uh, that he's made. There's too much at stake. Um, I'm a mother. I have two kids in public school, and you know my my our public school is owed 1.8 million dollars in uh, in operating funds or what what we call foundation aid. And if you add up what all of the public schools in our district are owed, it comes up to about $45 million. And that's a lot of money that should be going to easing overcrowding, um, you know, perhaps help, helping teachers not have to dip into their pockets so much to, you know, supplement lessons and, and buy supplies. Um, but for that and, and, and many other reasons, because I, I feel like I'm getting a little ahead of myself um, and I'm sure we're going to discuss other issues as well, I, I, I really decided that I would step up. I'm qualified for the job and I believe I can be a better state senator than the current one. So before we get to uh, issue by issue, you know, I know one thing that you've talked about is that in your race, uh, there's a real need to educate the public about what this, this IDC group is doing. And, you know, if I heard you correctly, this is a group that is empowering uh, a Republican leader in Albany. And, you know, is this, is it safe to say that this would be like sending a Democrat to Washington who then votes for Paul Ryan? That's exactly what it is. Um, so the IDC will actually usually blame this other state senator, Simka Felder, uh, from Borough Park, Brooklyn, who is, was also elected as a Democrat, hasn't joined the IDC, but upfront just caucuses with the Republicans. And they love to, you know, blame him. Well, without him, we wouldn't have a majority anyway. Um, but the truth of the matter is you have to look at what the perks are for this betrayal of, of, of their constituents. And, you know, they get, so they get access to this discretionary funding I was talking about before, um, which allows them to distribute checks, you know, and bring back funds that are, that are seriously needed. You know, we can't, we can't, we certainly can't lie about that. But in exchange, they 
end up helping uh, the Republicans block a lot of pro- a lot of progressive legislation. And we've seen this now several times. For example, um, the other Queens IDC state senator, who's Tony Avella, represents uh, more of the area of College Point and just east of us. Um, you know, he was supportive of a bill calling for the coal tax, but you know, in spite of being the leader of that environmental committee, he made sure that that bill didn't come out for, a, you know, didn't make, make it out of the committee for a vote. And it's the same way my state senator uh, currently is the prime sponsor of the DREAM Act, but there is no chance that the DREAM Act will even be heard when he's making sure that there's a Republican uh, making the decisions um, and not and not Andrea Stewart-Cousins. I mean, the problem is that they, they've been given a fake majority. Um, it's a fake majority, and, and there's talks about a supposed reunification plan. We don't know if that will indeed happen. Um, if it does, it would happen after the budget. Uh, session is over. The budget is due April 1st. Um, there's strong indicators that it will be late. This year, because, it, you know, the governor's up for re-election, too, and, you know, Republicans, um, you know, might not cede as much um, as, 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 as one would like. And there's a lot of negotiation to be done. Um, but it puts us at a at a crossroads that that shouldn't be because the IDC ultimately um decides uh ends up ends up introducing legislation but then not uh not supporting it when it's needed so they say they're progressive but actually they take advantage of the fact that the average new yorker doesn't really pay attention to state politics um to to um you know hide uh hide behind uh the actual uh group of people that they're supporting new york's a state that has a huge registration advantage for democrats and one would expect that we would have uh, one of the most progressive states policy-wise in the country. Uh, that hasn't happened. The Republicans have largely controlled the state Senate uh, for our entire lifetime, with an exception of a brief period of time, um, in part because of what the IDC has done. Paint us a picture, um, and I know you did this a little bit at the beginning, but what would the world look like now in New York? What would our voting rights look like? What would um, campaign finance reform look like? What would reproductive rights look like, et cetera? Uh, in a world where the IDC members were actual Democrats who didn't empower Republicans? Well, let me start with what I think is perhaps one of the most critical issues um, for all New Yorkers, and that's access to health care. Um, you know, there, there's a terrific bill in the Senate and the corresponding one in the Assembly calling for single-payer single health care, um, which is really making sure that everybody has access to Medicaid. And the reason that that's so critical is, of course, because we now we're focused on preventive medicine and making sure that people are going in for their annual checkups. So in, 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 as a matter of public health, it's important, but as a matter of um, economics, it's important too. I mean, we often see a lot of working people um, struggling to make ends meet because medical bills are so high or because their insurance premiums are so high. And it's because, again, we don't know what's going to happen at the federal level, um, you know, 
now that chip, we don't even have chip anymore for, for children. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot that can be resolved if we were able to pass single payer. So for me, that's one of the most important uh, things that are being held up in the Senate today. But as you mentioned, um, so is reproductive justice. And yes, New York is often seen, you know, as a bastion of progressivism, you know, and, and a state to emulate. And in many ways we are, but we're not when it comes to reproductive justice, in all honesty. And that's because the law that's on the books currently is um, actually older than the Roe v. Wade decision from the Supreme Court. You know, a couple of weeks ago, um, it was Roe v. Wade's 45th anniversary. And state said, Democratic state senator Liz Kruger introduced a resolution simply commemorating the anniversary, right? So resolutions are different from legislations. She wasn't trying to pass a law. She wasn't trying to change anything. It was more, the resolutions are more of a declaration of a set of values. And the IDC turned around and, you know, didn't show up to vote for it, essentially, you know, blocking its passage. And you might say, well, what does it matter? It's just a resolution. But again, right now we're, we're trying, what we're, what we as activists are trying to make sure happens is that we pass the Reproductive Health Act um, that uh, State Senator Andrew Stewart-Cousins has introduced, which would uh, essentially codify Roe v. Wade uh, into New York. Um, and a lot of people don't know this, but even for medical reasons, if a woman needs to have a procedure done uh, later in her pregnancy, she would actually have to leave the state in order to have the medical procedure done. And, and that's not fair. Um, we should be, we should have access uh, to gyneco gynecological and, and um, obstetrics right here in, in every single neighborhood, making sure that women have um, all of the tools necessary to plan their lives and make those important decisions for their bodies. Um, those are those are two of the, of the big ones that that are are really at stake here. Um, you mentioned a couple of other ones too, though. Yes, and I think you know one thing that and, and by the way, thanks for that context. I think it's really important. You know, I talk to a lot of people on the ground in Staten Island, for instance, who will talk about our uh, state senator there and say, you know, she's she's with us on this, she's with us on that, and I think it, it gets back to what you were saying earlier, which is you know they say one thing in the district. And then they um, they pretend to fight for it in Albany, but empower people who will never let it happen. Uh, and that's why this is this is going to be involve a lot of threading the needle on messaging to ensure that uh, we can help people understand that there's procedural shenanigans going on here, preventing real progressive legislation. Um, one one topic I would like to discuss uh, before moving on to the next subject is uh, is reform itself in Albany. You know, Albany has more corrupt politicians than anywhere else in the country. Uh, people would be surprised to hear that, um, given that New York doesn't have a reputation nationally, let's say like a Chicago does or a Louisiana does for being corrupt. Um, and there, it seems like there's a pay to play culture up there where essentially legalized bribery. And if you read the IDC financial disclosures, uh, for campaigns, they're essentially getting money. You know, I like to say they're not the independent democratic caucus, they're the dependent Democratic caucus. They're dependent on the interest group that, it, that exists in New York. Walk us through what happens in Albany right now and, and what kind of legislation we could pass or even just ethics reform from rulemaking to clean up the culture out there. Well, running for running for office at the state level is 
much harder than what it is to run at the municipal level and which is unfortunate because of course what we want to see is um you know candidates who might not necessarily have uh access to affluent people we you know we want real community activists to step up and represent us because what we what we really need to do is make sure that government is reflective of what our communities look like um and 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 i say that because you know fundraising um ends up being one of the most time-consuming efforts in running for office or for state office, I should specify, um, and, which is unfortunate. At the city level, you know, there are matching funds, there's public finance reform, and um, I, I forget if it's six or, or seven dollars, but, you know, each dollar gets matched, and which, you know, allows for a, a, a more level playing field uh, for candidates. That's why we see, so when there are open seats specifically, so many more candidates um, step up at, at the city council level. Um, the state is different. There are no matching funds. And not only are there no matching funds, there are crazy loopholes that allow companies to make donations um, uh, uh, by LLCs. Um, and that allows for a lot of money to be hidden. It allows um, a lot of um, confusion about who our elected officials or even our candidates are accountable to. This is something that ha needs a lot of reform. And, and, and it really gets at the heart of what our democracy looks like across the state. And, you know, you mentioned voter reform earlier. Um, and just I want to talk about it a little bit because it goes hand in hand with all of this. It's, you know, making sure that um, people are automatically registered, making sure that voter registrations are available in people's, uh, you know, native language. Um, and uh, I would go beyond that and say um that we should be fighting for no excuse absentee ballots so that more people can uh, participate in the voting process. And, you know, being supportive of uh, New Yorkers who ha have been formerly incarcerated, who have already paid their debt to society, I would also like to make sure that we're restoring voting rights um, for, for those who have been incarcerated before. Um, that's, you know, making sure that um, some of our most vulnerable communities are the ones who work really hard, three, four jobs, the ones who are looking for a second chance to make our state better, have a say in who their representative is and what our government looks like. Um, and, and we often, again, uh, to, you know, take a little bit from what you said earlier about state senators saying that they fight for things in their district, but then they go to Albany where, you know, no one's really watching um, and, and, and do something else. The words fight for are overused and trite. Um, you know, it, it, no one can really define or there's no consensus around what an elected official, quote unquote, fighting for legislation actually means. There's the bare minimum a legislator can do, um, which is use their bully pulpit, use the platform that they have to make lots of noise about this one particular issue that's important. And then there's, you know, simply voting the right way. And we're living at a time where doing that is not enough. You know, just voting the right way is not enough. It's about stepping up and you know, with 
original ideas with bold ideas and or creating the political will to uh, to make sure that those ideas make it into law. What we need is actual engagement of the electorate good old community organizing or or union organizing even um, to make sure that people are active participants in our democracy. And it's not easy, but it doesn't mean that that's impossible. That's, that's the community I, I sort of fantasize about is making sure that my neighbors, um, you know, are, are active participants in the projects that I would like to take on in the Senate. I, I always say, you know, Getting elected isn't the end all be all. Yes, it's it's the goal at hand right now. But really, it's about thinking about how government can work better and how government can work smarter. And so speaking of government working better for folks, uh, from my understanding, you know, you're the mother of two public school kids and you made the decision to announce your run in front of PS69 in Jackson Heights. And, you know, as a graduate of PS30 and IS-51 in Staten Island, um, I've watched the school system uh, change over the years, and uh, it seems like the basic function of government, which is to ensure uh, opportunity for our youngest, is has been under threat uh, for a long time, and we're just not delivering for our kids. Uh, tell us what you would do. You know, I, you've talked about um, restoring equitable funding and, and funding that's been lost uh, to your school. Um, what else can we do? And also, what has the IDC? Uh, done or not done on education. So if you look at the IDC's um, proposed budget when it comes to education and you open up the page and then you take the book uh, of that the Republicans put together for their budget proposal and you put them side by side, their education proposals nearly mirror each other, which is very troubling. In my community, not only are our schools underfunded, um, we have a lack of uh, programs for our young people, which of course we all know, you know, those middle school years are critical uh, to, to our, our, our youth's development and making sure that they stay on the right track. Um, and I would want to make sure that we are finding ways to codify um, the way the state calculates funding for every school. You know, yes, the uh, the mayor, you know, has mayoral control. He gets to choose the chancellor um, and he's able to implement a lot of the initiatives um, that uh, that can make our schools better. But really, the bulk of the funding comes from the state. You may recall when the mayor was first talking about pre-K, he had to actually go to Albany to, to fight for that funding. Um, and, you know, at the time it, he was asking for a millionaire's tax and that didn't pan out that way. But eventually he was able to make it truly universal. Um, and uh, really what we need is to make sure um, that the campaign for fiscal equity, uh, the, so let me back up, I guess, and, and give some context. So back in the 90s, uh, there was this group of people campaigned for fiscal equity who sued the state of New York over disparities in funding uh, for especially schools in communities of color like mine. And they won. And that uh, judge's decision really determined 
exactly what the funding formula should be for every school, but we haven't seen that formula implemented. So whether it is that we need to sue again, whether it is that we need to find a way to get uh, that foundation aid formula on the books, I am, I am, uh, most interested in making sure that we're locking it in, in a way that uh, doesn't leave our children as vulnerable as they are right now to budget cuts. And so um, another issue uh, I know is personal to you is our crumbling subway system. And I, I think if I understand correctly, you were actually stuck on a train for multiple hours last year. Um, and that's part of your motivation to take on this issue. What's going on right now um, with our subway system? Who's responsible uh, and what could be done in Albany? Yeah, Ravi, I'm, I'm one of those New Yorkers who uh, don't have a driver's license. So I depend on public transportation to get around uh, all the time, whether it's the subway or the bus. It's actually how I get around in my district as well. Um, so last year, which you may recall, uh, was dubbed the summer of hell, um, I was on my way into City Hall. Well, I had just dropped off my kids at uh, the YMCA for summer camp. Um, and, and thank God I wasn't with them because that would have been a special kind of hell. But um, I was on the train. We got stuck at Vernon, Jansen, uh, at Vernon Jackson um, for about 15 minutes. They ask us to get off the train. So we evacuate. We're waiting there for about another 15 minutes. Then they tell us to get back on the train. So we're in the train and we're going towards Manhattan and we just stop right underneath the East River, right in between Queens and uh, and Manhattan. And we're stuck there for at least another 45 minutes. All in all, this entire ordeal ends up, you know, being about two hours. And of course, I'm frustrated um, but I also realized that as soon as I get signal on my phone, all I have to do is email my boss, let her know that I'll be, you know, a little late, why I'm late and I'll be fine. The issue is that that's not often the case for most New Yorkers. Um, so, and, and we'll really put it into perspective were these two women who were sitting next to me on the bench in, uh, on the subway car. The one next to me, of course, you know, we're, we're groaning and we're, you know, mumbling under our breath because of how frustrated and furious we are. And so she starts telling me, oh, you know, today's my first day at a new job. Now I'm late. You know, what, what, what kind of impression am I making, you know, if this is my first day? So, you know, I'm trying to empathize with her. Um, and, and while we're chatting, a third woman joins us and says, well, I'm now late two hours to work and I get paid by the hour. So if I'm late for these two hours, my pay is going to be docked um, for, the, for the two hours of work that I've missed. And I'm a single mom and, and this is really important. And, you know, and, and for me, that experience really put that delay into perspective because what we don't want to see is the decrepit subway system uh, really grinding our local economy to a halt. We need the subway to run on time. And hey, I love pretty tile work as much as the next person. I just don't think oh, there should be so much emphasis put on, our cos on, on the cosmetic repairs. 
we should be working towards a place where those countdown clocks are obsolete. We shouldn't have to know, you know, how far away the train is because the train should be running on time. And at some point, I really believe this, we have to bite the bullet and make sure that we are prioritizing replacing the signal system. I mean, the signal system is going to be 100 years old soon. Um, we you know, Even MTA workers deserve to work with state-of-the-art technology. We, we can't keep being the best city in the world if our transportation isn't reliable, if people aren't able to make it to work on time. Um, and, and, and part of that is also making sure that, you know, we are creating more local jobs so that people actually don't have to commute so far. But, you know, that there's there's a long ways. There's a lot of work to get to that place. Um, but right now, um, that's been really troubling. I mean, even a couple of weeks ago, not in the district, but just one town west of us in Sunnyside, we had a piece of uh, concrete from the actual elevated train station fall onto onto the road uh, below. And luckily, no one got hurt. It could have easily fallen on a car, hurt the driver, hurt a passenger, and it didn't. But that's not a risk that we should be taking. Um, we should we should be constantly continuously making sure that the that the subway system is reliable and is safe and 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 I think the other side of the MTA that we often don't talk about enough are uh, buses and and bus and rapid transit and making sure that you know we we do have bus lanes and that we have um buses that that can arrive on time and and take people uh where they're going quickly it's 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 very interesting to see how many people have depend on our public transportation system every day and also how many people are depending on uh driving into the city and and we really need to take it upon ourselves individually to think about whether we really need to drive um, and, and, you know, congestion pricing is is a hot topic today and it is for a reason uh, because we do have too many cars on the road um, and not everybody um, needs to drive into the city. Some people do. There are people with disabilities or, or special needs that um, that require that. But, you know, m- making sure that there are other viable means um, to, to not only move New Yorkers around the city, but also um raise enough revenue to uh, augment uh, all of the money that the MTA already uh, has is really important. And so Jessica, I know our time is short uh, and we have, but we have a lot of New York community members in particular, but, but also folks around the country who've started to get educated on this IDC issue uh, and are going to be really excited about your candidacy. Uh, what can folks do who are listening to this to, to link up with your campaign and get involved? So my website is Ramos, R-A-M as in Mary, O-S, for statesenate.com. That's Ramos for statesenate.com. And you can get to know me a little bit uh, more there, um, how I feel about different issues. Um, and if you're a local person and, and know that maybe you can spare a couple of hours a week, I would love for you to join my team and become a volunteer. We are knocking on doors. We are making phone calls. We are connecting with voters every which way possible. Uh, we're looking for people to go to different community meetings to talk about the campaign and what we, what we want to do when we get to the state Senate. Um, and, and, 
if you can donate, if you're not in New York state, but you know how important it is um, that our state be true blue. Um, if you know, great. You, if you can, if you can donate a uh, hundred dollars, but if you can only donate five or 10 or $20, that goes a really long way. I mean, as I said before, we don't have campaign finance reform at the state level. Every dollar is a dollar and, and we need that money in order to get our team rolling and making sure that we're talking to as many voters and as many residents of our district as possible. Um, so thank you so much, Ravi, uh, for your support and, and for and for reaching out and, and making sure that so many New Yorkers know about our candidacy. Well, Jessica, thank you so much and good luck out there. All right. Thank you, Ravi.